You're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine, produced in cooperation with AMDA. Your host is Dr. Eric Tangelos, Professor of Medicine at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, and a Certified Medical Director in Long-Term Care. Deciding between assisted living facilities or nursing homes can be a daunting task for patients and families. How can healthcare professionals discuss long-term care expectations with patients and families and help with the selection process? Joining us to discuss choosing between nursing homes and assisted living, how can we help patients and families decide is Dr. Robert Kane, Minnesota Chair in Long-Term Care and Aging at the University of Minnesota School of Public Health and Director of the University of Minnesota's Center on Aging. Bob, thanks for joining the program today. Happy to be here. We have carried on a discussion in the past few sessions about assisted living in nursing homes, but let's review that again. How can you distinguish between one and the other? I think basically nursing homes are heavily regulated institutions which evolved over time without any great amount of planning to meet a need originally of persons leaving hospitals who needed additional recuperative time and increasingly to meet the needs for people who needed long-term care placements because of physical or mental incapacities. About 20 years ago, there was a push against the institutional environments that nursing homes represented and a sense that they really didn't provide a great deal of nursing and didn't certainly represent a home-like environment. And new approaches were pushed forward, one of the most exciting of which at the time was assisted living. And the concept of assisted living was that you could essentially provide a place where a person could live, that is to say they would have control over their own living space, which could be as simple as a studio apartment. They would have some basic facilities for storing and potentially cooking food. It would have its own bathroom so that you would not have to share toilets with other people. And most important, it would have a door that you could lock. And basically, you you were the master of your own domain, quite the opposite of what it was like in a nursing home. The question then arose as to, you know, what kinds of people could be treated in assisted living vis-a-vis nursing homes. There was a lot of experimentation with this, which suggested that a very broad cross-section of the nursing home population could, in fact, be effectively treated in assisted living, including people with dementia. But there were some concerns that if those people were treated under those auspices with less professional staff, that there would be a difference in the quality of care that was available to them. And there was a pressure to regulate assisted living similar to nursing homes, which would, of course, basically eventually drive them into looking like nursing homes. And so there was a lot of pushback for that. Over time, the assisted living industry became a big business and essentially Their slogan was, whatever you want, we'll deliver. It was no longer possible to determine what the term assisted living even meant. It meant different things from different providers. And so it's become a very confusing terrain over the last several years. Well, that's good. So let's stay with that. I mean, the skilled care, nursing homes, regulated, kind of you know what you're going to get. And we'll talk about some of those differences. But with the assisted living, you've already described it's really kind of all over the place. Yes. Basically, you know, a lot of assisted living is really very similar to hotel living. That is to say, you you, you get some kind of a place to live that's usually single occupancy, but in fact could be shared. And you get 
minimum kinds of support. Uh, the contracts vary all over the map. Um, there's usually at least some periodic cleaning provided and usually some minimum level of personal services support, but often not much at all. And then you get your meals. And then depending on the contract, as you need more personal service, the price goes up. Some assisted livings can provide a great deal of personal service and, in fact, require you to purchase the care directly. I mean, when we had my mother in an assisted living facility, actually several of them, they basically said the only way they could keep her was if we went out and hired a private aide who would be with her both during the day and at night because she had a tendency to wander at night. Well, you've discussed and just put down in words your experience with your own mother. The book is The Good Caregiver. And let's talk a little bit about how other families have to go through these choices and knowing when it's time to look for alternative living situations. I think there there are a couple of issues that I'd like to emphasize. Number one is obviously knowing when it's time. And I guess when it's time is when the current situation is not working out very well, either for the person who's experiencing it, that is the older person, or the family who is providing the informal support. We tend to push families very hard to bear the brunt of a very difficult burden, often to their great detriment, both physically and psychologically. And we've created a sort of a, a national guilt complex that somehow if you put your parent in some kind of organized care, you're violating some you know, kind of trust that would have placed in you by the parent, and that you're somehow to be held accountable for that. In truth, making these kinds of decisions, and then the decisions arise from a number of different starting points. Often the most common, actually, is discharge from a hospital when the older person's status has dramatically deteriorated. That kind of decision, of course, is one of the most difficult decisions to make because not only is it complicated by the needs to think about a number of issues, but there's a huge time pressure that's sort of pushing people to make decisions much too quickly for decisions of this magnitude. But the other way in which decisions arise is when the person has been living in some situation, either on their own or with a family member, the burden of that care or the concerns about safety have just arisen to a a very high level that's no longer tolerable. Some older people choose to go into assisted living, for example, simply because they no longer feel they can easily cope with the exigencies of maintaining their own household, and that would be a third pathway. Now, in any of these three scenarios, it's very important to think about the decision-making process. I think one of the things that we do very badly is help people make informed, deliberate decisions about long-term care. And physicians have an important role to play, although I think realistically it's not going to be very often the central role because it's simply too time-consuming a process for most physicians to be able to afford, particularly because it's not reimbursed. But a good decision really requires two very specific steps. The first step is to determine what type of care is best suited to the situation. And in order to do that, you first have to start by defining what outcomes you're trying to maximize. There are a whole cluster of outcomes that sort of compete for your attention. You could be thinking about outcomes that would preserve somebody's function more in a rehabilitative context. You could think about outcomes that basically reflect safety and concerns about that. You could think about outcomes that affect people's quality of life. And all of them are legitimate, 
but it's often very hard to maximize all of them simultaneously. And so the, the first step is to identify what those outcomes are and what degree of agreement there is among the critical decision makers who are at a minimum the older person herself and the, the family members who are most concerned with her care. And that's not an easy job. Often there's huge differences of opinion, largely around things like risk aversion. Uh, families tend to be extremely protective of older people, much more than the older people are protective of themselves. And we tend to, in effect, reduce the freedom of older people by becoming too protective about their safety. So that's the first task. Um, and, and that really needs somebody very skilled to do it, um, to elicit them and to make sure that every, all of the options are on the table before one comes to premature closure about which, which outcome you're trying to maximize. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine from ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Tangelos, and joining me to discuss choosing between nursing homes and assisted living, how can we help patients and families decide, is Dr. Robert Kane, Minnesota Chair in Long-Term Care and Aging at the University of Minnesota School of Public Health and Director of the University of Minnesota's Center on Aging. Bob, let's continue this discussion now. The second big test, then, is to say what options are truly available and how would they likely be able to serve to achieve the goal that you've now established. And here, one needs someone who is at least basically informed about what the range of care options are. And certainly, assisted living in nursing homes are two options, but there are many other options over and above those. There are various forms of home care, there are various types of daycare, various kinds of combinations of respite care that would keep caregivers going but give them some relief that need to be thought about in terms of how to address this. And for some people who are in a terminal stage, one might even consider hospice care. Again, somebody needs to be able to describe what the options are and what are the pros and cons of each of those options vis-a-vis the likelihood of achieving the outcome that the family collectively has decided on. And then the third step is having determined the nature of the treatment option, who is the best provider of that option? So now you're looking at a different set of criteria, which may have to do with the quality of the environment. It may have to do with the nature of the other people in the facility. If you're looking at a facility, uh, some people are looking for religious affiliation. Many older people are very concerned about location because they want to maximize the chances that they'll be visited. You want to see if if it's assisted living, what their operating policies are. And that's going to require actually going out and talking and and sort of doing a hands-on look at 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 least a a reasonable cross-section of facilities that are in contention. Again, with some good professional help, you may be able to narrow the list, but ultimately you really, nothing's going to replace going there and actually seeing what that place is like firsthand. And there are a number of things that one needs to look at when you're there, but certainly with regard to assisted living, one needs to understand very clearly, A, what is the payment structure, because it varies all over the map, B, what are the rules about what happens when the older person's situation deteriorates and they need more care? At what level is the facility no longer prepared to provide that care? At what level are they going to require that additional services be brought in, like personal aids or something like that? And what are the the fees associated with these different changes in status? It's very important that you clarify that sort of stuff up front in order to make a more rational long-term decision. 
It's very difficult, as you've pointed out, uh, especially coming out of the hospital and not doing enough advanced care planning. Let's stay with our professionals on the line and give them some idea about where they can point patients to let them help make determinations. Let's talk about the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services Nursing Home Compare Tool, and let's talk about the even newer five-star rating system. The first thing that health professionals need to do is to recognize that they have a very important role in at least assuring that the decision-making that takes place is done well. They may not be able to actually implement that decision-making for all the reasons I said earlier, but they ought to make sure that the the family is referred to somebody who is able to actually facilitate that decision-making. And one of the things they need to be very careful about is not to rely on hospital discharge planners because hospital discharge planners work for hospitals and their main motivation is moving people out of hospitals as quickly as possible. They're, They're put into a very difficult position, but they should not be confused with advocates of the family. So they need to know, you know, where to refer these people. And very often, you know, the best place to refer them is to private case managers. Now, there are information sources available, and you've alluded to two of those. Both of these are nationally available resources online. Nursing Home Compare basically provides people with a set of information about what were the results of recent surveys. There are mandatory annual surveys of nursing homes, and they post a list of deficiencies from those surveys. And they also provide some data derived from this thing called the minimum data set, which is a set of information filled out on every nursing home patient four times a year. And basically, that information is used to generate some quality measures, and those are summarized in Nursing Home Compare. That same data basically is taken and re-presented to try and simplify it into a system called the five-star rating Uh, The five-star rating basically gives each nursing home a rating from one to five stars based on their overall quality. The rating system is unfortunately heavily driven by the survey results. Um, And I say unfortunately because the data suggests that survey results are very unreliable. They, They vary a great deal from surveyor to surveyor and from state to state. It's hard to Uh, know how much credibility to put into them. But basically, they they use the survey results and then modify them with uh, some other factors, primarily the quality measures from Nursing Home Compare. I would like to thank my guest from the University of Minnesota School of Public Health, Dr. Robert Kane. Bob, thank you very much for being our guest this week on Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine. My pleasure. You have been listening to Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine from ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine is produced in cooperation with AMDA. For more information about this or any other show, please visit ReachMD.com, which now features on-demand podcasts.